Hey everybody, just a quick little heads up about this week's episode. Uh, unfortunately, we had a few audio issues uh, with the recording of this one, and so unfortunately the uh, quality on my mic isn't the greatest. Uh, obviously we've uh, worked to fix those, and I've tried to clean up the audio as best as possible, but it's still a little bit rough. I hope you still listen to the episode, because it's a pretty great one, and we had a lot of fun watching the film. But uh, just letting you know, it's just this one episode. We fixed those issues, but uh, please bear with us and I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for listening. to the latest episode of You Haven't Seen That, the podcast where we watch films that my co-host missed in his childhood. My name is Chris and I'm joined by aforementioned co-host Eric. Hey everybody. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been a while since we've done this actually, so I was wondering how do we get this going again? I know, we, we, <laughs> so I've been a little bit busy, so we, we tried to sort of, we got, got a little bit ahead of ourselves, we were organised, so we're... Anyway, we, we, we tell them what movie we're watching. And what, what movie do we have this week? We've got, um, from whatever year, roughly 1984 maybe, we've got Risky Business. So your folks are going out of town. Just use your best judgment. You know we trust you. You got the place all to yourself. A good time, Joel. In the privacy of your own home. Just take those old records good time last night. I had a great time. Dave's music ain't got the same song. Don't let me do anything stupid. Don't worry. That old time rock and roll. There's a time for playing it safe. And a time for risky business. 1983, I'm pretty uh, sure. So you were close. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just knew it was before Top Gun. Yes. Um, so... This is yeah. often described as, like, the star-making movie for Tom Cruise. That kind yeah, of... that's what I understand. Because I think, like, before this he had done, like, the small little movies, like, like had small roles in movies like Taps and um, uh, The Outsiders and things like that. Yeah. But uh, what do you know, if anything, about Risky Yeah, that's it. I actually don't know anything. Okay. Um, I, I, I know that, yeah, this is Tom Cruise's kind of real, like, put him on the map kind of one, and he got Top Gun essentially off this. Mm. Um... I know that this is the movie where he slides in, in his shirt and underwear. <laughs> yeah. um, that famous scene, which has been used in The Simpsons amongst everything else. Um, and now I'm going to look at the cover and just guess he's a he's a cocky kid. He's... <laughs> <laughs> that is a great possibility. And he's going to take a risk. Yeah. <laughs> is it going to have something to do with some business? <laughs> Being the eighties, you'd assume so. Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't actually know. I assume, I mean, Tom Cruise obviously very youthful looking around that time. So mm. for all I know, he's playing a high school student. But mm. I'm pretty sure he's a bit older than that. Yeah. But no, I honestly don't know. It's really just it's in there. The reason it's it's in the selection is because it's his breakthrough movie, and he's such mm. a massive actor for our generation. And I think he's going to be one of those actors that keeps like. We're going to try and have at least one of his movies in each round of the hat throughout the years, just to... Because he's such a staple of American... Like, you know, just cinema. And particularly that era that we're sort of targeting. Um, yeah. He's, he will pop in there quite a bit. People like him and Keanu and stuff. Yeah, like, um, and I still maintain to this day, I think Tom Cruise is like the last of that 
like the last movie star, essentially. He's definitely uh, a movie star, without a doubt. Yeah, or like what we grew up knowing as a movie star. Like, mm. you can argue people like The Rock are that now, but The Rock, I think, is just popular because he has a movie out every two weeks. Yeah, and he maintains. He, he just just... fights a building. <laughs> Someone's got to fight the building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock is the modern day Arnie. Like, yeah, but yeah. I, but I yeah, I have the problem though. Like, he puts out a movie. Oh, I know. Like four or five movies a year, whereas, like, Arnie would at least... Have some breaks. Yeah! <laughs> just oversaturation, that's why. Yeah, it'll be interesting if people ever get sick of The Rock, but maybe not. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, he, he's a real classic movie star, like, blockbuster movie star, Tom yeah. Cruise. Um, good question I'm going to throw at you. I, I think it's a good question, at least. <laughs> <laughs> what genre do you reckon this is going to be? No idea. Um... Thriller, drama, comedy, action-y... Thriller, drama. Thriller, drama. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's... A, like I said, the, the only scene I can really picture is that sliding around the house. So and with no context for with that. With zero like, context. He could so, be coked up out of his mind. That's it. I don't know whether he's just like a youngish kid. He's got the house to himself. He puts the music on and slides around. Like, he, he honestly could be just a youngish kid who mixes with a, with a hot girl who with a dark past... But it's still sort of a comedy somehow. Yeah. Like, you know, really not sure. It's going um, be interesting. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah, very intrigued. I just don't know what to expect. He's got sweet shades. Yeah, that's essentially all the cover art is. Yeah. <laughs> sweet 80s shades. Yeah. Apparently between this movie and Blues Brothers, it like rebirth Ray-Ban, who were a dying company at that time. Wow. <laughs> so, all you need is a couple of products. And... <laughs> and if, if nothing else, that's what this film's got going for it. Yep. Uh, so should we give it a look? Yeah, let's just get into it. I was sort of right-ish. You kind of got there, like not necessarily <laughs> with the dramatic thriller of it no. all, but you, I, you did at one point mention high school kid having the house to himself. Yeah, that is definitely the case. And getting <laughs> and something to do with a woman, like getting kind of entangled in some mess involving that. Yeah, and she, she was kind of shifty. Yeah. In the end. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I guess it was more comedy drama. Yeah, then, this is, yeah. Yep. Like, but, heavy on the, like, actually not really that heavy on the comedy. Even. Not really. <laughs> no, never any, very rarely any moments that were trying to make you laugh out loud. It was... For, for like, lack of a better comparison coming to mind, I would say similar tonally almost to, like, American, something like American Beauty. Like yes. In terms yep. of like a dramedy kind of. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Quirky. It was like D- different, to- like subject matters. <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah. Totally yep. kind of similar. So, no less kind of. This wasn't trying to end with a super uplifting message or anything either. So, no. no. Um, it was. It was a really intriguing film. Like it. It reminded me. Maybe the key element was the dad's car, but it reminded. It made me think of like a quirky art house version of Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Um, what's what's Ferris's mate who Cameron? Da- yeah, Cameron and the dad's car. Like, yeah, yeah. Cameron being that kind of controlled kind of character, 
He's like, all right, I'll take. We'll, all right, you've convinced me. We'll take out Dad's card. So, you know, it's, it's essentially like a mel- if Cameron and Ferris Bueller were like, if it's like a Fight Club type scenario, yes. it's like the one that mold them into the one personality. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like this. Okay, now I'm I'm sort of free in a way. But this was like with its with its really cool, interesting soundtrack mm. and sort of um, quite interesting, darkish kind of characters. So you particularly Lana who you still don't really know 100% by the end of the film at yeah, all the film still... ends and you still have not gotten a read on who she is or what her really no. motivations like, are you, you don't get to the end of the film and think ah oh, they've got a future together yeah You're like they got tomorrow together yeah which interestingly enough uh, I was going to say like the that was not the original ending but I realised, like, should we jump to the ending now? Like, I'm, again, it's been a while since we've done this. Just... Do we do the plot synopsis, or is that well? I would, I'll do the general or... synopsis. We've uh, we've got Tom Cruise playing Joel, um, uh, who's who's a seventeen year old final year of school in a in a pretty wealthy white family with wealthy white friends. As uh, he's referred to, uh, the families off the lake and things. Yes, so they're, they're, very... they're the they're the the old blood. Um, is expected to go to a good college, get good grades, and then they all talk about money. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a big focus on basically just continuing the good old, good name, capitalist tradition of white America. Yep. <laughs> um, and then his mate, who is a little bit alternative, but is also intelligent enough to have already got into Harvard. Yes, yeah. Tells him... Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the fuck. What the fuck gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. To which he sort of does by kind of continuing on and essentially ordering a call girl because yeah. someone else ordered a call man for him first. <laughs> well, yeah, it is that friend Miles that does yeah. that. And then, um, and then it sort of slowly unravels from there as he has to sort of chase after the girl who's taken essentially a deposit because he couldn't pay for her in a yeah, way. Yeah, the, the film essentially, his st- life begins to unravel and like leads to a point where the, his friends basically, there's a scene like after he's grabbed the school yeah. nurse by the collar and yes. threatened her and things. That's that, his... his Real. That, yeah, yeah, but he's hit the bottom of the, the story arc. So. Yep. <laughs> but it's, it's, they say, like, you know, they trashed his entire record and his life's over. And the film's kind of also positing, like, well, is, no, is he actually finally starting to live? Like, that's the kind mm. of interesting, like, it, it's the kind of breaking down of the, the. The film explores, like, the breaking down of these old ideas and what is expected of you yeah. to actually carrying that with actually enjoying life. And it's a fascinating one because. He doesn't like his his parents want him to go to college. They don't yeah. really like um, so that this they all. They don't happens. seem to really they care about their. They son. don't care about his feelings at like, all. Really, they, like, a, they don't dislike him. They sort of love him because he's their son. But yeah. um, they don't. There's no warmth in that relationship. There's an amazing shot. It's like a single take shot that's all from Joel's point of view yes. yeah. as his parents are like packing up and getting ready to leave and. They're sort of saying, like, you know, he got this on his SATs, which, and, like, his grade point average is, like, a 
3.8 or like it's incredible. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah, like I'm saying, it's like for me, that's insane. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, it's and not it's something to be upset about. Yeah, it's parents like, mm, do you think you can take those again, please? They're not quite up to our standards. Yeah, <laughs> and it is just always everything is like all external factors of his life are future, future, future. You've got to work for your future. Yep. So much so that he neglects the now. Yep. And and as a viewer, you 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 learn very. You, you believe very quickly that his parents will never change. It's not one of those films where you get a feeling that one of the parents or both of them are painted as a little bit sympathetic yeah. towards him. And, you know, maybe throughout the film he'll do things that get them off his back, so to speak, and mm. realise, oh, his happiness is at stake here. You're like, no, they're not going to change. The, the only one brief glimpse you get, a, get of it is that, like, you know, that there's some warmth or understanding from his parents is during the whole party scene towards the end, his mother sort of says... Oh, you know, we trust you use your best judgment. Yeah, it's okay to have have some friends around. Yeah, that, like, the, and you get the sense of like, oh, okay, they, you know. Yeah, but you you also know that they're not going to be forgiving. Yeah. Like if anything, like and and as as ultimately when she finds a small crack in her egg, <laughs> the glass art arty egg, which maybe looked good in the early eighties, but doesn't nowadays. No, it doesn't hold up well. It is the worst looking paperweight ever. It's hideous. Um, it's very eighties, but um, <laughs> it's quite an important piece in the in the story. But um, yes, she's she's flat out furious at him. Basically, <laughs> like there's no warmth in there at all, or like even a tiniest hint that she'll forgive him for this one day. But I think all of that works to kind of not necessarily create an interesting character in Joel, but to create an interesting environment for a yes. character. That's it. Like, you go, okay, that's his boundary. Like, he, his parents are only going to buckle so far. And it helps you to understand what, why he is like he is mm. as well. It's a really interesting one, because you can look at it and go, oh, rich white kid problems. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> like, go, I, I, oh. I call him out in that one scene. Yeah. I'm really trying to be friends with you. But I'd appreciate it if you'd stop laying these little judgments on me. What you're leaning on your daddy's $40,000 car. But then you look really closely at... You're given a really close look at Joel's home life. And, yeah, sure, he's got all the um, material needs he'll ever need. But he's clearly not happy. He's stressed. He's freaked out about his future. He doesn't have any siblings. Um, He's got no... um, Clearly can't... Unless... He gets into college. His parents won't ever be truly happy for him. Yeah. Uh, and by college, I mean a really an Ivy League it, college. He's going like, for Princeton. <laughs> yeah, he's going for Princeton. He's not marking around. They, they, he's expected to be in an Ivy League college. Yeah. Um, but the, the film amazingly sets up all of this in the opening scene before mm. we even really know who... Before we know Joel's name is even Joel. Yeah. The film opens with this great... We, you know, we later find out it's a dream sequence, but it's Tom Cruise narrating, you know, going into this, instead of going home, I go to the neighbor's house, and yeah. the, the encounter with the girl in the shower, and like, then the wonderful shot of the room stretching as he's trying to reach her. Yep. And I find myself in a room full of kids taking their college boards. I'm over three hours late. I've got two minutes to take the whole test. I've just made a terrible mistake i'll never get to college my life is ruined 
he's blown his entire future yep. because he tried to tried to embrace the now and have fun and yeah and yeah this is all established before we've you know know what the film's about yeah it's it's a really well put together subtle film um like you don't sort of emerge from it thinking oh that had some just like real amazing individual moments like the famous one is obviously that dance scene um that um him just sort of like rocking around the house on his own which Um, even now i'm like why is that so famous no i was the same i was watching it i was like that's that's okay yeah (laughs) it's fine like it's it's, a catchy bob seger tune yeah exactly otherwise um maybe it's because there aren't many other scenes that are so um, let's say staged perhaps is that one. Yeah. And it just stands out. Yeah. And like, like we were talking to each other during, like, um, and we even looked, looked it up. Like this was really in the early years of MTV. So mm. a couple of the shots of that were really like, um, music video style in a way, like the camera angles and stuff. And you're like, no, maybe that, maybe that was just it. It was like really big at the time in that style. And it just, just clicked with everything that was already popular. Yeah. Um, in a film that is actually a lot of dullish lighting, I guess. For parts and oh, well, not no, totally soft. soft, I would that's say. Right, yeah. Atmospheric. Yeah, well. that's a good way of putting like, it. It's very much setting a tone, I think. With it actually reminded me in a way a similar tone to Drive. Okay. That's... Not like not no, <laughs> Drive's yeah, the most bleak, yeah. well, not bleak, but very different film. But the isolation those two main that the main couple have from like the world around them. Yeah. It's sort of them versus the world in a way yeah and this was kind of like that like he had supportive friends a bit you know they were teenage boy friends yeah. glenn, glenn was just using his house to <laughs> hook up you know whatever Goddamn glenn glenn <laughs> the <laughs> least attractive stud ever <laughs> yeah commenting on that like glenn it seems is just like the mac daddy of this school <laughs> but he's a jerk <laughs> He's a jerk, and he's not your classic um, good-looking dude. Meanwhile, like Miles Curtis uh, Armstrong is like yeah. a, a super like friendly, nice, guy, intelligent guy, and Barry is the like subtle suave. I feel. Yeah, Barry early on, you think, oh, he's sort of the nerdy friend, perhaps. You know, and he's it, pretty got a clean look, and he does the um, the enterprises program with him, and yeah. he's pretty serious about it. Then later on, he just like chats up the cool girl, just like that. Smooth. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, I mean, it, and it's also, I think, you, you get the preconceived notion of him mainly because it's Bronson Pinochet. Like, yes. Who uh, I was looking at. This is his first film. Ah. It's the year before uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. And uh, a couple of years before Perfect Strangers, obviously, with Balky. Yeah. Okay. Big thing. Yeah. Because yeah, I can't say apart from Beverly Hills, I don't think I've seen him in. Mm. Not not that I can think of anyway. No. I, I always jumped it like obviously I grew up watching Perfect Strangers so Balky the yeah. crazy you know from Mipanos like the crazy roommate guy <laughs> but then I always jumped to him as Elliot in a true romance ah uh, yeah okay yeah he, yep. he's got a good little role in that so it's weird seeing him do Tarantino dialogue <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> very different yeah um but um yeah they're a funny bunch of guys like um Curtis Armstrong is great in this film. Who did he play? Uh, Miles. Oh, yeah, yeah, Miles. Uh, he was very good. 28 years old at the time of filming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, could say, yeah you could see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, his character is quite interesting. He's like a pretty... I don't know, apparently he's like alternative and cool, sort of. 
Yeah, he just seems to be he, the more just, relaxed of the group. He's sort of got... He seems to have a... Uh, he's more chilled and can sort of see the bigger picture yeah. a bit more easily than the others, but at the same time, he's already got into Harvard. Yeah, I was going to say, is, that, is that a result of... He's obviously a smart guy. Yeah. Um, and whether that intelligence translates to life smarts, or he can just... He's so smart, he can cruise by... I, yeah, it, it's you get the sense that he's the calm and collected one it, it, because even you know there's the scene where Joel calls him up after Jackie arrives on the doorstep, oh, yes. and he's like, "You gotta get over it." And like Frankie Haynes is like, "No, I'm not coming. No, you and can deal with this." When they get in the car chase with uh, Guido, yes, Guido. <laughs> I've got a trig midterm tomorrow, and I'm being chased by Guido, the killer pimp. It, he's he's very just. I'm not having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> just very calm. Yep. He never yells or... No, he doesn't freak out. Yeah. He's just like, well, I can't do anything about this, but so I'm, I'm just not enjoying it. accept and not enjoy my situation. Right, I'm not going to enjoy it. <laughs> I'm really not enjoying this. Yeah, which, which makes for an interesting character that you don't often see in, you know. Yeah. He was almost like the, the, the sibling that the Joel didn't have, mm. in a way, in his encouraging him to sort of... Just, just go for it. I think it's it's interesting. Like between Miles and Barry, they kind of, and and I guess to a lesser extent, Glenn. Like the three mm. friends make up. If you kind of, they almost represent all the things that Joel is kind of lacking in. His, yeah, in yeah. terms of caricatures, and they're not strong caricatures, any of them. But no, yeah, it's just, subtle, but it seems to be all those things that like Joel sees those attributes in his friends and kind of aspires to be them. But he's yeah. just the meek kind of. Plateau. It's funny to see Tom Cruise like that, particularly for most of it. Yeah. Um, and what was probably pretty good, really, was his um, spiral, I guess, happened quite... Like, ultimately, the depth of his spiral, or the point where... The fact that he turned his house into a brothel for a night. Like, yeah. it didn't happen weird science Because it did remind me of weird science a little bit, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. But um, it didn't just suddenly just, like... We're having a weird party with the bikers from Mad Max. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't happen. Yeah. Disappointingly. But it just very slowly, like, one thing led to another, and and Lana wouldn't leave because of Guido and things like that. And uh, and then you always question, no, is she taking advantage of him? I I think... I always go back to, like, there's this great piece of storytelling advice that, um... Uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone mm. always use, and it's... Each individual scene has to work as a kind of funny sketch. You don't want one scene that's just like, well, what, the, what was the point of that scene? We found out this really simple rule that maybe you guys have all heard before, but it took us a long time to learn it. But we can take these beats, which are basically the beats of your outline, and if the words, and then, belong between those beats, you're f***ed, basically. You got, you got something pretty boring. What should happen between every beat that you've written down is either the word therefore or but, right? So, so what I'm saying is that you come up with an idea and it's like, okay, this happens, right? And then this happens. No, 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 it should be this happens and therefore this happens. But this happens, therefore this happens. And that, as soon as we are able to, and literally sometimes we'll, we'll write it out to make sure we're doing it. Uh, we'll, we'll have our beats and we'll say, okay, this happened, but then this happens, and that affects this, and that does to that, and right. that's why you get a show that feels like, okay, this to that, to this to that, but this, here's the complication, to that. Cause, effect. Causality, cause and effect within your yep. story, because then you actually create a story. It's not... Yeah, don't happens. just write ten separate scenes and just glue them together. Yeah, this, yeah. like, it, this is a film where very much so, like, 
this happens, then therefore this happens because yeah. of this, because of, like it's... And as a viewer, you, you can you can accept as long as it's put within the realms of believability. Yeah, yeah that, no, and that does describe the storytelling in this, this film really well, because it does just kind of cruise along and, yeah. and everything sort of matches. Um, I thought uh, Lana was, was quite good, actually. She was... In like terms the, of character or performance? Both, both, yes. yep. So as a character, she was quite interesting because she was one of those sort of, you know, she was like the perfect girl kind of thing. But also, you know, she was she was strong and in control. Mm-hmm. Um, she saw in Joel, I guess, a, perhaps a chance to maybe maybe escape Guido. I think that was her I, I think it's, in, uh, original intention. I, I view it almost more as like exploit the, and definitely slowly, a little bit yeah and to begin with and then the slow transition to understanding and compassion and mm. like ultimately friendship and things so. yeah because she'd someone she was someone who'd never had the opportunity to even consider college yeah um like she put to him you know he's like why'd you leave and like well because my stepfather kept coming on to me yeah like fair enough yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like you're not. Yeah, she, so, she's come from a world that Joel does not couldn't recognize. couldn't recognize at all. Yeah. Um, and they've both got their own sort of pressures. Joel sounds more comfortable, but it, there's still a lot of pressure from family and things like that. And then, anyway, do you think it's almost to some degree like the way that the film is? Essentially, it's essentially Joel. Like it is Joel's story, and we're watching him progress yeah. and grow as a character. But do you think as well? It's Lana seeing the opportunity, like, to help Joel grow and thereby as well also help herself grow and kind of change her view on, like, her situations, I guess? Yeah, I think, I think, and that's it, it's not super obvious, so to speak. I think, um, I guess she probably went in there a little bit opportunistically. Yeah. Um, and then probably saw that she could help Joel. Yeah. she's obviously pretty comfortable with who she is. Yeah. Um. It's, and she's not necessarily a character that needs help. As no, well. she, she, you never feel like she's at any stage asking or looking for help. No. She's just moving forward. She's already a businesswoman. Yeah. Um, she doesn't need all these fancy degrees and things like that. She's got the mind for it. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, what, what I was kind of meaning by that, such like, mm. you know, helping each other, it's to quote another Tom Cruise movie, it's like, help me help you, to some degree. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, in a way, I think you're right. Um, and I think she thought, that they, you know, he was obviously a nice guy, and she mm. had no issues being around him, and it didn't look like she was fully trying to exploit him. And then um, the way things went, just it just rolled really naturally. And it didn't, it doesn't lean too heavily onto the romance aspect. No. Like it very easily could have become... Um, that movie, uh, The Girl Next Door. Yes. With Emile yep. Hirsch. Like, yep. it's, which I actually don't mind that film. No. There's t- like some early Paul Dano in there. It's great. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but that leans so heavily onto the... the that is so much trying to be a modern day version of this film in the sense of even having like weird dream sequences. And that's right, and stuff. yeah. It, it's very clearly... <laughs> yeah, no, that's life. true. Because like Tom, like... Tom, Tom Cruise. Joel. <laughs> um... Joel, um, like, like, you know, when at the party after he believes he's missed out on Princeton, um, and, and that side of things, he is like, Oh, you be my girlfriend, really? Like, yeah, that's that's on, the only time when you think, Oh, hang on, no, no, he really maybe actually really wants this, mm. um, or, or thinks actually maybe that's a good idea. And 
Or is it also he just wants to be with someone who is not pigeonholing him or making him focus on the kind of insular world that he's been so... Yeah, someone just to be around and enjoy himself. Yeah, and he can be free in himself and not feel the pressures of, Mm. you know, his future. Yep, he can get stared at by a junkie on a train. Oh my god, can we talk about the train sequence, please? Yeah, we can. Um, First off, who wants to have sex on a public train? That girl. That is gross. (laughs) That is the... I could not think of a grosser place to have sex. It's like one of the least sexy places. I know! Like, no, not clean. Not clean. And I love it how it was a segue from the fact that he, once he believed he missed out in Princeton, he'd he'd gone and he was sitting and playing with his old model train set. Yeah. And she was trying to, like, while he was talking to his parents on the phone, she was trying to hook up with him on the train set. Yeah. And then she's like, let's go, let's go, let's go make out in a real train. Cut to Phil Collins. Yes. (laughs) Again, unsexy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that was a funny sequence. But then that, um, that, tune which we we looked up um by a soundtrack by tangerine dream yes which is yeah really good amazing but that track then um Lo- love on a real train which like we both recognize on i'm just been in other things mm. um just yeah really really fitting tune for that mm. and then he comes home and there's no furniture in his house they took everything this is unbelievable my parents are going to be back in two hours Lena, and they took f-ing everything leads to just a kind of Weak finale. A, a little bit. Like it, it works in the sense of his progression as a character. Like it, it, mm. it works to. It, it essentially places the, him in back into his old world, having grown and yeah. learned. And that's it in a way. He's it's essentially co- a hobbit who's come back to the Shire. Yes. <laughs> um, and it, it, in a way, it works. It's not as though everything works out fairy tale wise. So he doesn't come back and everything's perfect and he's made thousands of dollars. Yeah. It's like, no, no, there's consequences for everything else that well, you got it, involved in. But it's also interesting, up until, like you were just mentioning the model train scene before, mm. like on a real train, yeah. um, <laughs> he, he has a line where he says, I'm going to kill Miles for all of this. Like, he's still, even up at that point in the film, not accepting responsibility for his own actions. True, yeah. And it's only after, you know... He's made that progression of, you know, accept like Lana accepting him and yeah. vice versa and kind of being comfortable with the positions he's put himself in that he mm. then like which makes that finale okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I still love though, um, after his parents get home and he's out in the garden doing the raking and he puts on his sunnies and lights a cigarette. Yeah. And you go, okay, he's changed. Well, it's, it's still kind of weird, but... Yeah, well, uh, why the sunglasses is because the camera zooms right into the lens as a coda to the opening shot of the film as we pull out from the black of the sunglasses. That's ah, the first shot of the film. Yeah. And I was expecting it, it to end then. I was expecting that was the book end. Well, and that that's where it cut to a different ending, ah, which was not, okay. which I kind of teased earlier, which was not what we actually had here in the film. Uh, let me just see here. So... Uh, the writer-director Paul Brickman had a completely different ending with a rather more pessimistic tone. Mm. Uh, with Joel still being accepted to Princeton, uh, he and Lana sit on a rooftop overlooking the city, pondering his future and her future. So kind of similar to what ends up happening in the restaurant. Yes. But it's kind of, you know, at night, they're on a rooftop. Yep. Um, and Lana finally lets her guard down and, uh, she says that she didn't set him up, but Joel doesn't believe her. 
Yeah. Thinks it's, it, it sort of still maintains onto that kind of yep. untrustworthy thing. Uh, they are, he asks for an embrace, they reluctantly do so, and that's kind of the end of the movie. Yeah. And the studio was like, no. Well, that's way too sad. This is bleak. <laughs> so apparently they shot both versions, did test screenings, and yep. that's... Yeah. Yeah. But st- that kind of leans way more into the... <laughs> I, st- I still love that moment, though, where he goes back to the garden shed. Joel? Do you have something to tell me? And it's full, like, invasion of the body snatchers. Oh, yeah! It's like the way, it's a jump scale. <laughs> His dad's just, you know something's behind the... No! <laughs> yeah. It's just like, whenever you set up a shot like that, there's clearly something behind the, the, yeah. the, the door. Or, His dad's just it's, standing there. Yeah, I will say, like, it's, it's very much, there's some shots in the film that are first-time director, like... Yeah. Telegraphing, like when it's the POV shot early on of Joel, his parents giving the instructions, like linger on the egg. <laughs> like, yes, I know that was. This a... is gonna obviously be important. This is gonna be something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm. But um, it, it's despite the, the the so-called less bleak ending. Yeah. Um, it's still fairly bleak. Yeah. Like like we're saying, it's. It's, we, it's you were saying it's, Exactly. Um, it's it's quite a good one. Like he. It makes the film seem kind of quite almost believable in a way. Yeah. Despite the weird events that have kind of gone on, but they're just done in such a grounded kind of way. And it's like, all right, I'm, I'm off to Princeton and we, we made money, a heap of money in one night. I don't know what it all means. Where's it going to go? Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, you know, and like the moment the credits rolled, I was just like, wow, that film really followed through on... Miles's advice that sometimes you just gotta say fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it it just it played its own message. Like, yeah. And it, it did it quite well. It, and it's a film that's so easily like based off of its premise of like if you I'm sure if you read the back cover of the DVD or whatever it's saying like you know Joel's parents have left him alone for the week. <laughs> yes. He the- borrows his dad's Porsche and <laughs> gets a car girl. <laughs> And, but it's not it's, about that. It's like, not that at all. It no. is, it's I, I liken it to there are a couple of films in the eighties that are teen films mm. that actually deal with like presented in a very kind of realistic and interesting way. Like another one that jumps to mind is a great movie called Valley Girl with uh, yeah, I've heard of Nicholas Cage yeah. and Jennifer Foreman. That's, That's right. It's a really great kind of similar tone and like in like seriousness and interesting yep. kind of commentary and what it's doing and saying and yeah yeah it's it's a very clever teen movie this one yeah not your not your american pies or your i mean to i, I love it but like can't hardly wait that yep. we did a few yep. episodes back no and that's why i think i thought this was like, like i likened it to ferris bueller in a way which is obviously a much more light-hearted film yeah. it has some like proper deep message like the Cameron storyline mm. um, it's got some of that stuff really hidden in there um, well it's not that hit, deeply hidden um, he does dance on a float yeah he does <laughs> so it's, bit, it's quite different but um, it's it's a very um, yeah heartfelt movie and it's got some just, just sort of subtle comedic moments like, like we had a bit of a laugh when he's first backing his dad's Porsche out of the garage that he's not even meant to drive yeah. and he stalls it in the driveway And 
stuff he goes yeah. for a drive around town. It's it's uh, playful in its comedic tone. It's it's never really yeah. like there are the couple of more advert scenes like when Glenn comes round to use the bedroom and things. Yes, and yeah. You know the the grunt twice if you hear me. Yeah, yeah. So there's those moments yeah. that, that work quite well like that, but they're not like aiming for big laugh out loud kind of situation. It's just light hearted more than there's else. no big comedic set piece in this film. No. It's like the laugh out loud moments are like just the quirkiness, I guess, of like yeah. seeing four seventeen-year-old kids sitting around smoking cigars, think trying to act yes. like their parents. <laughs> well, yeah, that's very much playing dress ups, aren't they? Yeah, it's a really interesting one. Like, I'm, a, I'm like, why are they smoking cigars? <laughs> well, apparently, um, I was just looking over my notes. The this the original title of the film was not Risky Business. No, okay. It was White Boys Off the Lake. <laughs> yeah okay which, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense which could be an interesting like kind of segue into the what we were debating when the credits were rolling like what do you think this film is essentially doing like it's mm. very clearly painting a capitalist picture but whether you would in, you can interpret that as both positive or ne- like negative like yeah it's I think it's just trying to make it it doesn't, it's not a full, like, um, super subversive kind of in-your-face system kind of film. No. Um, it's not trying to say, you know, screw capitalism, screw the college system and all that sort of stuff. No, and, but, like, very early on, like, it, it establishes Joel as a character that is very much entrenched in, you know... In, in that meth... That... The Reaganomics and, like, you know, yes, yeah, go capitalist. Yeah, that's it, like, you... you like, his friends all talking about how much they'll make the moment they exit college. Yeah. Um, and it's all the focus is on... The ultimate focus is money, and the focus before that is getting into a good college yeah. so that, yeah, you can so make money. So you can get money. Yeah. yeah. You know what a Harvard MBA makes first year? 40 grand. Well, I've got a cousin who went into dermatology. First year, over 60,000. Just for squeezing zits? <laughs> yeah, this is you guys. I mean, doesn't anyone want to accomplish anything, or do we just want to make money? Make money. Just make money. Yeah. Make a lot of money. And the film tries to point that that's not all there is to it. Yeah. Um, plus, you can make money without going to college if you sell women to underage boys. Then when you have to do is cash bombs. Yeah. When you think about it, it's a bit messed up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely questioning that system, and, and but yeah, not in a really open, subversive kind of way. No, it, it's. I think the film does a great job in terms of obviously shining a light onto you know people like Joel and like mm. know, the, using the other title, the white boys off the lake, yeah. and just like capitalism. Yay, we need to, you know X Y Z so that we can become rich. Yeah. and then also kind of I keep saying like it's making them focus so much on their future and that ultimate end goal of being successful and rich yep. that they are avoiding the now. Yeah, and interestingly enough, none of them really... It never delves into their interests or extracurricular sort of stuff. So nope. none of them are like footy jocks. None of them are artists or anything like that. Um, it, it never even really goes into what kind of music any of them listen to or anything like that. It really doesn't try and... You don't, it's, it's like we as viewers don't need to know that these are just American guys going through the schooling system. The, the only thing you get is, you know, that there are two scenes of them playing cards. Yep. You get a sense of, oh, that's something they do. They do. But then even Joel's bedroom, 
like the only poster he has on his wall is a Porsche one. A giant Porsche one. Which I'm assuming his dad got free when he bought the car. Yeah, it must have come with a car. And then he has a giant flashing neon yes. that says checks cashed. Which is like a nice, I suppose. Yeah, I know. It was such a funny little thing, wasn't it? Yeah, but I'm like, oh, is that like, you know, the subtle thing with all the bonds later? Like, yeah. I don't know, just foreshadow or something. Yeah, yeah but true. But it's weird. Like, it is no, weird. Or it's also, I suppose, like a giant flash of light that he just thinks about money. Well, that directly <laughs> above his bed, yeah. yeah. It's an interesting little, um, little setup. But there's no posters, there's no... Nah. And the song that he puts on is a Bob Seger song. It's not like... It's, it's his dad's music, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I mean, the only modern music we get is Phil Collins, which isn't diegetic. It's happening in, as, you know, us. Mm. It's not happening in the scenes with Joel. No. The only other one is Swamp by Talking Heads, which we yes. is playing during a party. So you get the sense of, okay, they, they are teenagers. Yeah, they're they? teenagers and they're listening to... Of the, of the now music. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yep. They're, they're at least hip enough to know who David Byrne is. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, watching as an adult, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. In the end, like it was, it's not a fast paced movie, but it's a good length. How, before we start to wrap up, how do you think Tom Cruise did? Yeah, interesting. Actually, sorry, that's a good point. We sort of talked about him before and then, and then took a turn. Um, it's, it's weird to see him look so young and less manicured. Yeah. Um, it's probably, he looks so raw. Um, well, apparently to get him to look so young, because he was kind of, you know, in his, I think it was like 22, 23 when he yeah. shot this. But he was coming off of making taps and all the right moves. So he was kind of built like almost a footballer kind of thing. Yeah. And so they got him to uh, go on a quick diet, lose, I think, 10 pounds. Yeah. And then immediately stop the diet and start eating junk food. So he put on a layer of baby fat. Ah, uh, yeah. To give okay. that kind of yeah, that puppy fat look. Yep. Yeah, because he, like, he looks younger in this than he does in film, like, you know, taps and stuff, like, they were shot prior. Yeah, yeah. So. No, I mean, he, he looked the right age. Um, I thought it was, it was pretty pretty good. Like, mm. you know, he's, he's quite a, a subtle performance. He doesn't sook too much. That's my big thing. This is a character that so easily could have just been a whiny, yeah. whingy annoying lead. He, he could have complained about his life. He could have complained about his friends. He could have really cracked it at Lana. Um, but no, it's quite measured and whether that was um, Tom Cruise or the director or both, I don't know. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty good and you got a sense that his character grew throughout the film. Yeah. Um, like he definitely sort of had changes. Um, I'm still not quite sure about like the the sudden change, like the overnight change with different hairstyle and sunnies and a massive wide smile. You know, Bill, there's one thing I've learned in all my years. Sometimes you gotta say, what the fuck? Make your move. I beg your pardon? So, how we doing? It's like University of Illinois. It was a bit, think, a bit inconsistent, but you needed to show the... Well, that, that's him kind of embracing the idea that... The risky side. He, yeah, his, his life as he knows it is trashed, as they've said. Like, you yeah. know, he's being, they've trashed his entire record and he can't... Yeah, time to move ahead. Yeah, so yep. what what can he do but say, what the f***? <laughs> yep, <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. Um, but no, no, yeah, it was good. 
Mm. So obviously Eric is an adult. Yes, surprise. Yeah, like I, I like I said, I had no idea what to expect, and um, I was just just impressed by how subtle a story it was. Yeah, like it was just just told quite. It was quite a personal one as well. Mm. Like it was just close to the core characters and stuff. It, um, it's an interesting one. Paul Brickman, the writer director. He only he's written a few other films. Not mm. many, I think he has eight writing credits on yep. IMDb, but he's only ever directed one other film. Mm. Like he just never really never did, got behind the camera. Did much else, and which I think is a shame because I think he. I think this is pretty decent. Yeah, the, like we were saying, it's it's very atmospheric and it does really well to set a tone. Yeah. I guess he was just like, no, I'm fine. Well, I've had my artistic outlet. I'll be interested to find out soon um, how the how it went financially and things like that. Mm. But I guess before that. Um, if I'd watched it sort of as a, as a kid or a young adult, um, how would I have... Because like, I, I would have recognised, obviously because of The Simpsons and things like that, I would yeah. have recognised the dance. I, I'm going to put it at, like, if you saw this, did it say around, like, 12, 13? Yeah. Um, I think I would have quite liked it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. I think it could have gone one of two ways. Maybe I would have really connected with it. Or maybe I just would not have understood the American system and the references enough. Because yeah. it's obviously quite a commentary on America's schooling and college and financial capitalist system in the 80s. Um, which, not to say I didn't know it, but I definitely know a lot more about it now. Mm. Which makes it quite fascinating. Um, and it's not as though it's a fast-paced movie or anything like that with really lovable characters. No. So maybe that side of thing. Um, so I, I might have really enjoyed it or I may have just thought that was okay and then never, never watched it again even if I owned it sort of thing. Yeah, I remember, like, because I think I saw it when I was about, you know, 12 or so and it was, like, and the initial connecting and enjoying it on the sense of, like, oh, it's, you know, the... on the base element, like, I, the dumb trailery voice of it. Yeah. Like, yes. you know, it is... And it's a kind of self-aware version of you know, his parents being away, like there's yep. the scene with Miles saying, like, you know, you've done the dad's car, but that's good, that's a nice first step. That's a good start. And then it's, you know, obviously taking that to its extreme levels, yes. I guess. Yep. Like, enjoying it on that base level and then, you know, sticking with it as like, you get older and, like you said, yep. all these, enjoying it way more for these other things you can yep. pick up. Particularly once you grow past that age as well and you go through that sort of stage in life and things like that too. Yeah. It means a lot more. Yeah. So, um, mm. yeah. Well, do you want to... You mentioned this before. Why did you hear about how it went? Uh, so the budget was $6.2 million, Yep. And it went on to gross 63.5 at oh, the US box office. Return. Yep. Uh, it was the 10th highest grossing film of 1983 in the US. Okay. Uh, beating previous film we have done, National Lampoon's Vacation, which was 11th. Oh, there you go. All right. uh, the number one film of 1983 was Return of the Jedi with a oh, yeah. 252.5. Just, so. just a small win. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cruz was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy. Mm-hmm. And writer-director Paul Brickman was nominated for a WGA Award for Best Comedy written directly for the screen. Wow, okay. So it's not as though this film flopped and it, he did bad. He was panned. He actually no. got recognition. Yeah, he, film. he was nominated for a Writers Guild Award. Um, yeah. Yeah, I found it interesting. Like, he, he's a very smart and interesting director. He said that his most, like, his influence for the film was Bernardo Bertolucci's The Conformist. Okay. <laughs> and the quote was, I thought, uh, why can't we have... Why can't you present that as a film for the youth and inspire a kind of style... And aspire to that kind of style and still have humour in it. Uh, that's the test. To meld a darker form of filmmaking with humour. T- that's the type of tone he wanted to play with. 
I think he did alright. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that, you know, he's referencing Bertolucci films as his, like... Yeah. Yeah. Benchmark for a, essentially a, what could just be a teen sex film. Yeah, could it very <laughs> easily have been, yeah. But uh, do you want to hear some alternate casting? Did they ever consider someone apart from Tom Cruise? Yes, okay. they did. The first choice for Joel was Timothy Hutton. I don't even think I know who that is. I'll, show, I'll quickly show you a picture of yeah, Timothy okay. Hutton. Right. Um, this is he... All I can picture is Timothy Dalton. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Around the local supermarket. Yes, I can only picture an old Timothy Dalton. <laughs> With that must yeah. That's Timothy Hutton now. Oh, yeah. Vaguely familiar? Yeah, a little bit, yep. Uh, right around this time, he won an Academy Award for supporting actor for Ordinary People. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, uh, the Robert Redford yeah. film with um, yeah, uh, Don Sutherland and things. He, yeah. Yeah, he's the lead in that. Okay. So he was the kind of new, young... Yep teen actor mm-hmm. uh, he was the first choice but uh, he turned it down so he could work with director Sidney Lumet on a film called Daniel mm-hmm. um, Tom Cruise and Hutton they both coincidentally starred in Taps which was kind of what ah okay yep uh, apparently uh, Brian Backer was cast in the role of Joel Goodson but was replaced by Tom Cruise after he his audition just wowed the directors gosh uh, alright Brian Backer you would know as uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High yeah uh, the kid who, um, I'm just going to show you. Yeah, it might be easier. I forget. What his quirk is. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> the one whose best friend is the scalper, and he really has the, he has the crush on Jennifer Jason Leigh, and he works. Oh. So not Judge Reinhold. Not Judge Reinhold. <laughs> not the stoner kid. No, not, not Spicoli. <laughs> um, Mark is the character's name. But... Yep. Oh, that guy. Yeah, which makes me think, like... Yeah, okay. No judgment on what he would have done, but I would... Like how we're complaining that he wasn't a whiny character. (gasps) Yeah. And I'm not sure if that's... I'm just basing that off of having, you know, his character in Fast Times. Yes, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think they did a good, like... Well, it's obviously turned out well with Tom Cruise in in, in the position. Um, Yeah, a whiny character would have... um, Mm. And I'm... Whether or not he would have brought that performance, but that, that wouldn't have helped, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other people that auditioned for Joel were uh, John Cusack. Yeah, okay. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Michael J. Fox. Yep, okay. Tom Hanks. Oh, he was in everything back then. And, and still is. Sean Penn. I was going to ask about Sean Penn. Yeah, yeah okay. apparently Sean Penn, um, because they were friends from making Taps and he was yeah. making the film Bad Boys in Chicago at the same time. Yeah. Uh, he has a cameo, apparently, briefly, like, he's in the passenger seat of the Porsche when they're racing around at one point. <laughs> it's like, you know, you have to, obviously, I'm assuming he has the Blu-ray in front yeah. notice that it's... I thought you'd say a bit the party, but no, they substituted him. If a Bronson Pinochet and one, like, a brief little... Into the Porsche. Yeah, appara- apparently. I, don't, All right. I couldn't see him. Similar, like, Megan Mullally is apparently one of the call girls at the party. I, yeah. I don't know where she is. I, yep. Every time I try and spot her, but I can't, so... Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sharon Stone apparently auditioned for the role of Lana. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, Kim Basinger apparently turned it down because she didn't like the script. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, Frank Sinatra was considered for the role of Guido, but was deemed too serious. <laughs> yeah, you think? How old would he have been then? <laughs> like, in his, 
like late fifty. Yeah, like because Guido was the perfect. Uh, it was well. He did well actually. Yeah, good old Joey Pants. Yeah, he did a good job. Yeah, I, I love Joey Pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, another person considered for the role of Guido was Richard Dreyfus. Man, they really want an older person. I know, but yeah, like you said, I think going for someone who's like in the it makes Guido as well a less imposing. Yeah, if you had like this really aged and like super experienced, yeah. clearly um, patriarchal figure of a pimp. You, you get the sense that Joel is only really a little afraid of Guido because he's an adult. Yeah, he's not this super threatening individual who no. runs an empire. Granted, at one point he does, you know, pull a gun on he's him. He's got a gun. Like, you know, he's, he's not... A, 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 he's a threat. Mm. But yes, if you have something else, I'm like, yeah, Frank Sinatra... Could have been like you know you, you picture him to have an empire behind yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it's not rather right. than just most likely one guy. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's it for yeah. ultimate casting. So quite a few variants. There. Yeah, yeah, that's... it could have been really well, as usual. Could have been really different. Yeah, I think it did good. I I, I still really enjoyed this film. Yeah, well. that, that was. I wasn't sure what to expect, and I'm really glad I've seen it now. Mm. It's one I probably watch maybe once every two years or so. Like, yeah, it, it's in regular rotation. I'd it's... be very happy to rewatch that. It's a solid one. Yeah. Well, speaking of films to watch, though, I think it's about the time we uh, dip into the hat and pick out pick the next film. Okay, so next film up is going to be Good Morning Vietnam. Ooh, okay. So, is um, this our first Robin Williams? Come on, you're forgetting Hook. Purposely so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our first Robin Williams. Yeah. Our first real Robin Williams movie. <laughs> Um, yeah, it is. Um, because, um, <laughs> obviously, yeah, Robin Williams, just massive for everybody of our generation. Yeah. I have seen it. And this is a film, I think, in particular amongst our circle of friends, is a big childhood yeah. movie from long Exactly. Long, and so. it's one I've been meaning to watch for a long time. Like, I grew up on movies like Flubber and, um, <laughs> and, um, and Jumanji, exactly. Yeah. Like the really fun ones. Um, I've... I, Ten, at least one of the depressing ones, but um, anyway, no, this this would be good. this would be really good because it's obviously one of his uh, early-ish, but one of his really big performances yeah. early on. So I'm um, not fantastic. Great. Well, I guess I uh, tune in in a fortnight's time for that. Uh, otherwise, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on risky business or preemptive thoughts on Good Morning Vietnam, or if you have any suggestions for movies we should put in the hat, you can send us an email at haven'tseenpod at gmail.com. But uh, otherwise, thanks for listening. Uh, this week's episode, I'm Chris. I'm Eric, and we'll catch you next time. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.